Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Sutton service. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit christchurchlondon.org. So we've done things a little bit differently this morning. Uh, the idea is we'll have a shorter time of worship at the start, but that will give us a chance to, after this talk, share communion together and then worship some more. Um, this morning's passage, it's a well-known passage. Uh, it's a sh- very short passage. Um, sometimes when I've preached, I've been given like two or three chapters of a book to preach on today. I have four verses. Um, so it's a, short, it's a short passage, and I think hopefully it'll be a relatively short talk. But I think it provides an opportunity for us to learn about Jesus, uh, to learn how we can grow in faith, how we can grow in our knowledge and our love of God. Um, there are not any huge re- revelations in this talk. As I was preparing it last week, I was thinking, oh, what's the, the interesting, innovative, clever thing I can say? And actually, I, I, what I felt God was saying was just to focus on the simple and actually just to reflect on what God is saying through this passage. It's, it's quite a simple thing. Um, so my hope is it is a blessing to you. Uh, this morning. Um, This morning we're going to be looking at when Jesus calms the storm. Um, It gives us a sense of how Jesus works in the world. It addresses very real human experiences um, and it demonstrates God's power and God's faithfulness to us. So let's look at the passage in Luke 8. As I say, it's only four verses. I'm going to read it now and I'll come back to it a couple of times as we go through Luke 8 verses 22 to 25. If you have your Bibles with you or on your phone, it will not be appearing on the screen behind you because I have no slides this morning, Um, So, but I will read it. Luke 8 from verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. I don't like traveling in boats. I mean, I like the idea of it. Um, I like the sea, but I get seasick, and it's not very pleasant. Uh, A few years ago, I was on a ferry going over to France. I was on my own, and I just found a dark corner of the boat to lie down on the floor and ignore everyone else. Um, I was in Lanzarote on a boat trip to a little island. It was only a short crossing and I just got greener and greener and my head was in my hands and I wasn't sick, but it really was quite unpleasant. But I think the most challenging time was last summer. We were coming back from our holiday on the way back from France. Um, Ada was two, Reuben was just a couple of months old and the crossing was bad, it was stormy. We had, both the children were being a little bit difficult. Uh, They'd had a long day's drive, I think. I was incapable of any movement, so I was just sat there, and I didn't enjoy it, and I think possibly Haley enjoyed it even less, because I abandoned her to look after the, uh, the children. 
if someone could have stood on the deck and rebuked the wind and the waves, I would have been very, very appreciative of that. Um, there's a, a couple of things I want us to look at as we start with this passage. And the first is that this was a real storm. The disciples, it wasn't just some spiritual experience or some kind of, they, some felt need. It was a real storm they were facing. And I think it's helpful for us to think about that. It's not a metaphor for challenging times. The disciples were fishermen. They were used to the winds. They were used to the waves and the threat of the sea. They knew that, that the sea was perilous, that it did pose a threat to their life. And it was Jesus who had suggested first that they were to go across to the other shore. Tom Wright translates the interaction quite casually. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and suggested that they cross to the other shore, so they set off. Now, we do all face storms in our life. We may not be fishermen. We may not battle the elements of the winds and the waves. We may not stare into the dark depths and wonder whether we will make it safely to shore, but we do face storms. Whether it is our own illness or that of our friends or our families, whether it's the loss of loved ones, whether it's financial trials or struggles, unemployment or unexpected pressures. The, what we, one of the things we can learn from this account is that those are real problems. They're not things that we just pretend don't exist or pretend we can spiritually rise above. They are real problems that face us. Because I think sometimes that can be a trap we fall into, into thinking that physical and material challenges are not that important. That if only we believed enough that we would have peace and everything would be okay. And that our challenges, the things that we face, would become immaterial. I want to be clear that God does bring us peace and he does bring us peace whatever our circumstances. We can find that peace in God despite the situations we're in. It's a remarkable feature of knowing and trusting in God, knowing that he is with us. But God does also deliver us from these situations. And that's what I want to get to in a moment. God does have real power to deliver us. But first of all, let's think about the disciples' response. So the storm is real, but also the concern of the disciples is real. They are scared. These are fishermen who know the threat of the sea. They were facing a storm. The boat was being swamped. Master, master, we're going to drown. Tom White translates it, we're lost. It's not just that they didn't know where they were. They thought that their lives were lost. And it's an entirely appropriate concern. Their response makes sense. Their lives were at risk. They were afraid. They didn't call on Jesus just to help them feel peace. They didn't want to know God's presence despite the situation, despite the circumstances. They were drowning and they were crying out in desperation. And it's helpful for us when we are feeling in situations like that, when we're feeling despair or fear. We don't need to couch our words in spiritual sounding phrases. We don't need to sound as though we're trying to process our emotional engagement with the situation. If we are scared, it's okay to be really scared. 
And we see it throughout the Bible. Perhaps best in the Psalms, we see um, the, the psalmists in the Psalms of Lament, where they're portraying the depths of sorrow of what they're experiencing. They're crying out to God for deliverance. Um, Psalm 130 begins, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Psalm 42 includes the line, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Feeling despair at the situations we are facing is not something just to pretend isn't there. It's not something to gloss over or ignore. It helps us to cry out to God with honesty. So I think those two features, the fact that the storm was real and the fear the disciples were facing was real, helps us as we get into this passage. And I want to look at three quite simple things about Jesus that we can learn from this. I want us to consider the purpose of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and the person of Jesus. First of all, let's go back to the first line of this passage. The trip was at Jesus's initiative. He was the one who suggested that they got into the boat to go across to the other side. I'm assuming someone else is going to be looking at the next bit of Luke chapter 8 in the next couple of weeks, or not the next couple of weeks because we're not here, but when we return in September. Um, But further on in Luke 8, we see why Jesus crossed the sea to the other shore. When Jesus is there, he met meets a man who was possessed with demons and he delivered him from those demons and set him free. In crossing the sea, Jesus reached someone who was in desperate need and he delivered them. But then in the very crossing, because they, had, they could have traveled around the sea by land, they went across the sea and Jesus demonstrated his authority. There was purpose in Jesus's actions. Now, sometimes when we think about Jesus' purposes, we can get a bit caught up in trying to work out, did Jesus know exactly every step that he would take and every word that he would say before he said them? Was he following a precise script or uh, a plan? I think sometimes we can get a bit caught up and misread slightly how his knowledge and his sovereignty works. We can think of Jesus as an actor in a play, just reading lines off a script, but we, do, we also hear that Jesus is moved by compassion at various points. Jesus is not some robot. Um, in the previous chapter in Luke, Jesus is moved with compassion to raise the widow's son back to life. When he feeds the multitudes, he is moved by compassion. Jesus is not some automated, pre-programmed um, God figure. He is human as well as he is God. So... In this passage, we see God's divinity, but we also see his humanity. Jesus is human as well. And one little thing that's worth knowing, like he was asleep. Jesus slept. That's probably the most human thing you can imagine. I have two small children. I value every morsel of sleep I can grab. So when we think about Jesus crossing over the sea and delivering that man from the demons, we also see him taking rest as he traveled on that boat. We see him as God, but we also see him as human. Rest matters. It shouldn't be written off. 
It's not just an awkward inconvenience. It's God rested on the seventh day of creation. Jesus rested as he and his disciples sailed into the storm. So we see Jesus' purpose in this passage. Secondly, we see the power of Jesus. It's probably the most obvious thing in this passage. In verse 24, the second half of it reads, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. This is a definitive, clear statement of Jesus' power over creation. Even the winds and the waves obeyed him. It brings us back to what I said at the start. This was a very real storm. and The disciples faced it and they were afraid. They faced real fear. Jesus responded not by giving them warm thoughts and happy feelings. He didn't help them feel a little bit better. He commanded, he rebuked, he scolded, says one's translation. Jesus had authority over the wind and the waves, and they immediately stilled. If in the previous section I talked about Jesus' divinity and his humanity, here we see him clearly as God, him with the power and authority. You and I cannot command storms to still. If I could, I would. It helps us understand his, his purpose and his power, but this passage also acts as a frame for understanding Jesus' ministry more generally. In fact, I think it helps us to understand the whole story of Scripture and the purposes in, in Jesus' life and in God's plan. In these short verses, we see how Jesus acts with purpose. But we see that throughout his ministry. He sought freedom to those who are enslaved. Jesus stepped into the boat to take the crossing to reach the other shore. His humanity was on display. When Jesus came to earth, he was born as a baby. His humanity is impossible to ignore. He wasn't just some spiritual creature. He was born as a baby. Throughout his ministry, Jesus acted with purpose, even when that purpose led to his death. We see that Jesus had authority over creation. He showed it again throughout his ministry when he turned the water into wine, when he f turned a loaves and fishes to feed the multitudes. We see in his acts throughout the, the Gospels his power over illness, over the demons. You see his power over spiritual forces. If it is the devil that causes the storms to rage, whether that's on sea or in our lives, Jesus is the one with the power and the authority to calm those storms. Not just spiritually, but he calms them in very real ways. So we see both in this specific passage, but also throughout the whole of the gospel, the purpose and the power of Jesus. We also see the importance of understanding the person of Jesus. And I'm going to get to this in a moment. But the disciples recognized that Jesus was the son of God. And throughout his life, throughout his ministry on earth, Jesus is helping people to see who he is and to understand why he has come to earth. There's just one caution here, I think, that's helpful. Signs and wonders are rarely enough. We can marvel at the incredible works of Jesus. We can witness healing or miraculous intervention in all sorts of ways. And we can remain unmoved or we can see it and move on and forget. 
and this is not unique to us. It's not just something we experience. But actually, if you look in Mark's gospel in chapter 8, Jesus feeds the 4,000, and there are seven baskets left over. And then Jesus remarks, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. And then in the very next verses, the disciples take just one loaf of bread on, their, on another boat journey with Jesus. And they are grumbling about their hunger. And Jesus comes in, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? We have a remarkable ability to witness God's power and then forget about it. And that's why in this passage, we need to see not just the power of Jesus, but the person of Jesus. Um, and before I get to that, Jesus' response to the disciples after he calmed the storm was, where is your faith? It was not, why don't you have enough faith? But where is your faith? Because what mattered is not how much faith they had, but where they put it. Our faith is important when we place it in Jesus. It is in his faithfulness that is critical to the salvation of the disciples in that boat. And it is his faithfulness that is critical to our salvation. We don't just muster up enough faith for God to do miracles. We don't just try harder and harder to have enough faith. We cannot have enough faith, but we can have faith in Jesus. And that is why this third point, that the person of Jesus is critical. We see that Jesus acts with purpose. We see the demonstration of his power, but above all, we witness the unveiling of the person of Jesus to the disciples. And the disciples responded. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. These disciples, who by now had been with Jesus for quite some time, they saw, once again, his power and authority. It's a question we all come to when we are faced with the person of Jesus. Who is this? Who is this that calms the wind and the waves? And to return to thinking about this passage as a frame for the whole gospel, we look and we seek to understand Jesus' whole life. Who is this who went to the cross and who triumphed over death? Jesus didn't use his power and authority to avoid death. In the person of Jesus who laid down his life, we can find our place of refuge and our place of peace. It's not in the power of the miracles or what God's purposes will mean or the, the fact that God's purposes it won't mean we don't face any other problems. It is in the person of Jesus. And if the band want to come back up, it's in the person of Jesus who came to earth, who was fully God and was fully man, who knows what it is like to be as we are, and he loves us. Sometimes I think in Christian circles, talk of a personal relationship with Jesus can sound a little twee but it is utterly transformative. All personal relationships are. You can look on and admire something at a distance. You can see someone's power and their works from a distance, but you can't have a relationship from a distance. For us, it is our relationship with Jesus that changes things. Jesus invites us to follow him and to know him. 
And in a moment or two, I'm going to come back up and we're going to share communion together. Um, and then we'll carry on worshipping. And as we do worship later, if anyone wants prayer, do come forward and someone will find someone to pray for you. So we're going we're gonna to sing a song. And then I'm going to come back up and I will lead us through communion as we reflect on the person of Jesus. Jesus.